1: This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice.
2: Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James. Today on the episode, we are talking with Balaji Gopal. He's the head of personal investor, at Vanguard, and we'll get into a bit of all that stuff and what the platform is, a bit about Vanguard for those who might not know of Vanguard, and we're going to answer a heap of listener questions. Before we do get into the podcast, in the spirit of transparency, I just want to disclose a couple of things. I did a YouTube review of the Vanguard personal investor. Uh, That review that I did on YouTube that was not paid by Vanguard. I personally hold units in the Vanguard Diversified High Growth Fund and this episode is actually brought to you by Vanguard today. Balaji, welcome to My Millennial Money. Thanks for your time today. No worries. It's great to be here. You ready to have a chat and get down and dirty? Let's get into it. All right. Let's set the scene of today's episode. I'll get Balaji to tell us a little bit about Vanguard. I want to talk about recent market volatility. And it's interesting, Balaji, like it's almost as an investor, volatility is the new norm, isn't it? These days, like it's just wild.
3: Absolutely. And there's so many things that are driving market volatility. Um, That's even before the Ukraine um, war began. There was inflation, there was pre-COVID, during COVID, post-COVID, the vaccination impacts. Yeah, there's so many things um, that that are happening. And uh, yeah, I don't know how investors make sense of it
2: all. Yeah, well, hopefully we can help today. For those who don't know Vanguard, let me actually, let me go a different angle. Like you've worked at Vanguard for some time. You're likely to be an investor yourself in Vanguard. What would you say you're most proud of with Vanguard and investing?
3: Well, I've got a little bit of a story here, Glenn. I actually came to Vanguard as a client. Before I came to Vanguard, I was a client of Vanguard. I, was, I worked in one of the... Um, the big banks, and we did a big long partnership with um, Vanguard, who are already managing um, a lot of our money for our super funds and um, and our advisors. so I knew Vanguard then and then um, eventually decided to move into vanguard and uh, and um, thankfully Vanguard um, we're accepting of me joining of Vanguard, which is um, which has been great. So I've been here for five years, but I'm most proud of Vanguard is all the things we knew about Vanguard before I joined Vanguard are still true. It's it's a it's a large firm, but fundamentally the most two most things I'm really really proud of at Vanguard and which really distinguishes us, even while as a as a as an employee or a crew member who works here is um it's this whole investor first ethos, and that's not a catchphrase, that's not a tagline, that's not something we just come up with it's it's essentially everything we do is baked into that and um Vanguard globally or predominantly in the US is structured as a mutual structure which means uh funds own Vanguard and investors in fund by extension on Vanguard. So we don't have any external shareholders. We're not listed on any stock market. We're not subject to these quarterly half yearly cycles where someone and some analysts are breathing down your neck to try and um, produce more financial results. So our structure in many ways enables us to be that truly um, customer centric because essentially our customers are our owners.
2: Wow. And you know, it did start in America. The company. Does that mean, you know, Vanguard obfuscates Australian laws if there are investors in Australia? Like, how does that work? No, we we are very much incorporated in Australia, right?
3: As Vanguard Investments Australia, we've got um, about eight hundred and thirty or eight fifty people who work here, and that number keeps going up substantially. Um, yeah, we benefit from the global scale and um, and the um, and all of the assets through our through the that are produced in the U.S., but we're very much um, located here. Um, many of our products are uh, almost all of our products are incorporated um, locally for Australian investors as well.
2: Yeah, right now, your kind of remit with the Vanguard Personal Investor, which is uh, effectively a platform for Vanguard investors. Like, that's kind of your domain in the retail space. I wanted to just talk on quickly, like, you mentioned earlier, like, you did work with financial advisors and, you know, when I was a financial advisor, I'd recommended Vanguard products. So, you guys aren't anti-financial advice? Not at all. We're we're very pro-financial advice. Yeah, yeah. And just for everyone who doesn't know, because I've talked about this on uh, various episodes before... But talk to me about the Vanguard Advisor Alpha that you guys, um, I guess you commissioned a report and you talked about this Advisor Alpha.
3: Yeah, um, Vanguard's- Advisor Alpha program was, um, you know, it began in in the US. It was um, it was a, it was a proposition that we took to advisors in the US to talk about the fact about where advisors can actually add value with their clients and how to demonstrate that value. And we were also seeing both here and globally a lot of trends where advisors were, you know, trying to double up as investment managers and running portfolios and things like that. We found that advisors. Um, Play a very crucial role in terms of that behavioural coaching, the nudging, and just taking their clients on that journey of how to think about their wealth, the investment management, the portfolio management aspects of it, um, where uh, better done elsewhere. Whereas the um, role of an advisor, and I'd love your perspective yeah, as, a, yeah. as an ex advisor, is really you know telling people how to think about it, holding them true to um, the right belief systems, not making making sure that clients or investors don't act inappropriately or react to adverse market movements. Yeah, I think the role of an advisor is pretty significant and we think advice has uh, value. We we are fundamental believers that um, in, in the role of financial advice. We've even done some work where if you have a, a goal of getting up to a million dollars, with an advisor you're about $160,000 better off in getting to that goal than if you
2: were to try and do it yourself. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because it's so counterintuitive. And I think because financial advice, and this isn't an episode about, you know, financial advice, but we, we've dug a hole anyway. So I'll continue, but like I'm pro professional help when the need arises in my life. Absolutely. Whether it's an ongoing thing where I see my hygienist and my dentist every six months or whether it's a, a solicitor that I need to help Read a contract every second, third year or a physio or a surgeon. You know, I'm pro professional help when and as needed. Now, I think the biggest confusing factor that is out there in the, we'll just say in the real world, Australia is that financial advisors are there to absolutely just get you the best return and beat the market and all that. And that's so far from the truth. Absolutely. And I would say a good financial advisor will sit down with you, look at your goals, help you put a plan in place, keep you accountable to those goals. Oh, by the way, we'll plug in some product that might help. By the way, we'll plug in an investment solution that might help. By the way, we'll let you know if anything comes up in the federal budget that absolutely affects you and your situation. It doesn't have to be forever. It can be for a period of time. Yeah. But, Velaji, it's funny. Like, I always think, why the heck does Roger Federer need a coach if he's one of the best in the world? Yeah, that, that's a great way of thinking about it. Like, that's counterintuitive. That's ridiculous. But it is that third-party accountability. It's someone to look in from a different angle. Roger can't see the back of his head while he's serving, right? So Exactly. So, yeah, I just wanted to say loud and clear uh, – we are pro professional help when and if needed and when and as needed that that that's right and it also advises play a critical role
3: of showing you the mirror in terms of some of your recent behaviors and also holding you true to hey this is what you said and now you're doing something different has something changed and uh, yeah and it's always good when someone else's look someone else whose only role is to make sure you are going towards your goals is doing that. Yeah. But to
2: your point, professional help is really important um, when you need it. Yeah. And you might be listening to this and you might invest in, you know, one of the Vanguard funds at the moment and you're just shoveling money in and it's all good. Well, if it's all good, it's all good. But if you do come to a strategic crossroad and you need some numbers crunched or a little bit of accountability to get to a goal for a little bit of time, that's awesome. I think it needs to be a hygiene factor that you do see an advisor who... You know you're comfortable with. There's good refer, like good uh, reviews. They've got you know the heart of a teacher. They're not just there to sell something. They might have a flat ongoing fee. They don't take a percentage clip because I don't like that vibe. And it's okay to pay for help. And if you're getting value, that's okay. Yeah. But if you want to do it yourself, that's okay as well. Yeah. So anyway, so that kind of gets you out of this whole. I need to be a stock picker. I need to time the market. I just want to look at my goals. And, and I've said this before on the podcast, like as an investor, your primary goal, I believe, is to choose quality underlying investment, focus on your job, on your career, focus on living on less than what you earn and shoveling as much money into your investments for the long term. Oh, do you know what? There's
3: um, we have a group within Vanguard called the Investment Strategy Group. They 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 do a ton of research on everything. They're responsible for putting our diversified portfolios together and 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 everything else. Should have bloody got them on the podcast. What are you doing yeah. here? <laughs> <laughs> um, some of the research they um they did was just um particularly in a lowish return environment moving forward. Um, the impact of Investor action, the ability to save more, the ability to continue to invest, had f- a far greater impact on your overall portfolio in the long term than any sort of um, market timing or security selection, which, which I thought was really interesting because you always think things are more sophisticated, but like sometimes it just comes down to saving more, investing more, and like actions I can take to, if I'm continuing to invest, you know, when I get a pay rise, when I get a bonus, do I, Am I topping it up and I'm, am I putting that money away? And those habits have such an outsized impact um, than any market um, movement. So, th- that to me was um, quite
2: staggering. And it's funny like, and you know, I've got a heap of questions here that I want to ask you and I will, but like, if I drill down because this podcast, it's all about encouraging people to be the best version of them, to do better, to do the you of tomorrow a favor today, like, okay, Question. You look like a, you know, a lean, fit type of guy. Do you exercise in your daily life or anything like that? Um, not as much as I would like, but yes, I do. You do? Okay. So, what type of
3: exercise do you enjoy doing? I love running. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just something that um, takes me away from the daily grind and um, yeah, and it's just I'm lost in my own thoughts. Yeah.
2: I would encourage you and anyone listening, like next time you're running, have a think about the concepts of momentum. Have a think about the concepts of just showing up. Have a think about the days that you can't be bothered to run and you're like, I'm just going to get out there. 10 minutes is better than 10 minutes of not running. Yeah. And these correlations with personal fitness, if, if you had the column of personal fitness and personal finance investment habits, you could remove the labels of the top and you couldn't tell the difference between the two. Yep. And and this is just fascinating, isn't it, because I've changed my mindset as an investor myself that I just need to focus on generating money and investing it to grow wealth. Yep. Like that's my thing. That's all I'm doing. I'm not overcooking it. And selfishly, Me doing this podcast gives me the personal accountability week on week to keep doing that, and that's why, like, I get in the Facebook group, I get in other Facebook groups and calls, trauma and all that. I'm I'm not in the Facebook groups and the chats and all that as Glenn James, the host of My Millennial Money. I'm in there as Glenn, just some guy who wants to be encouraged with investing. If I can just go a little bit further with the mindset around investing and um, habits and whatnot. Actually, I don't know if I've shared this much before, but just recently, I actually last year in COVID, I had wrist surgery, right? right. And went to the hospital and before my surgery, they took my blood pressure. And like uh, you got high blood pressure. Don't worry. It's just white coat fever or whatever they call it. And I'm like, trust me. I live for operations. <laughs> I've like had like 12 i never procedures. heard anyone say yeah, that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, they've got my file at the hospital already. Gosford Private's already a big thing. I'm like, I'm as chill. I'm not nervous. It's not white coat or whatever. And they're like, yeah, whatever. It's all good. They go, just go to your GP, get it sorted. Went to the GP. Yep. High blood pressure. He's like, well, move your ass, lose some weight, get moving. Um And then got the machine at home and was measuring my blood pressure, you know, a couple of times a week. Similar, like as an investor, we might have a look at our portfolio a couple of times of whenever and just monitor, just, you know. But the whole thing was I changed my mindset from needing to exercise to, quote unquote, lose weight, to go to the gym to, quote unquote, lose weight. I changed my mindset to just go with the outcome of good health. Yeah. And my blood pressure has dropped back down just from good health.
3: That, that's great. Just, just defining it in a different context also makes that- It takes all that,
2: the pressure off. It takes all the pressure off. Yeah. So, if we look at that list of good money habits, good investing habits, good health, good fitness habits- it doesn't matter what the title is because all the mindset things are exactly the same. So, if you're freaking out about, I don't have money to invest this week, that's all matter. good because you're an investor. Oh, I've only got $10 to put over to my account this week. Better than $10 in that account than $10 on the lounge. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it's, you make a
3: great point. I was reading this book um, called Atomic Habits. Oh, we and love that book here. Yeah, that is a, that oh. is a fantastic book. I, I love one line from that book amongst many other lines. It basically said, it's not just enough about having goals. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems and habits. And that, that to me was just quite profound mm. um, because it's very easy to just say, hey, I, I want to do a, a Boston Marathon and I want to do it in a certain time, but unless I'm, I've got some habits of training, I'm never going to get there to even qualify, let alone do it. So, yeah, it was just um, the importance of our habits and what we are willing to do and to be able to sit back and
2: ignore the noise is is so critical. Well, it's setting the habit as the goal, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, when we look at our investing, I know and I've disclosed that I invest in Vanguard products I know that they will take care of the investing for me. I'm not a freaking fund manager. Mm -hmm. I don't need 50 different single stocks. I just need to live my freaking life over here, enjoy life, have a good lifestyle. By the way, I'm an investor for the long term. Yeah. Like we overcook it so much
3: and we don't have to. No, we don't. And it's interesting when people, we at Vanguard, we, we- We've got the thing called principles of uh, oh, investing foundations of investment principles we've got we serve about 30 million clients we've looked at all of the patterns of how people invest and come up with essentially you got 30 million clients 30 million clients globally a big chunk of them in the US yeah but fundamentally our strategy moving forward is we're not we don't want to be serving large institutions our strategy very very explicitly and deliberately moving forward is to be there for end investors um, and and the advisors who serve them and work with them. And we're very clear about even with the advisors, we want advisors who are philosophically aligned to Vanguard's way of thinking. So if you are an advisor who is trying to invest your client's wealth into property development and things like that, I'm just using that as an example. They're probably not the kind of advisors we would want but we in Australia we've got we started our advisor practice maybe in nineteen late 90s um, now we're at this point where you know about 60% of all advisors in Australia have at least a dollar invested in Vanguard um, Vanguard products um, and, and the reason why I say that is all advisors are doing is essentially just coaching their clients to build those great habits that you just described and and the product, and whether it's a diversified product or an index product or an active product, for that matter, that does the job for them. But what an advisor does is just, you know, reinforcing these good habits for um, these investors.
2: I, at the risk of causing your PR and marketing team to have a significant medical event, uh, <laughs> I won't get you to comment on this. But I saw an, an opinion piece or something in the AFR, and I think it came out of the states, and they're like. Oh, Vanguard, they're losing their way, blah, blah, blah. You may have seen it in recent weeks. And someone actually asked in the Facebook group. They said, Oh, can you ask them about that? And I I was like, I actually replied in the group. I said, No, I'm not going to ask them about that. Because from me looking in, the actions speak louder than words. The fact that Vanguard wanted to connect with My Millennial Money and run an ad campaign, where we're for retail investors. The fact that Vanguard have removed superannuation fund mandates in Australia Yep, to, and we're going to talk about their super product coming soon, guys. We'll talk about it. But the fact that you are moving from this institutional thing back to this retail thing is actually the quite opposite of what the opinion piece said. So, you don't have to comment on that. You can if you want. Um, give me a wink if you want to move on or whatever. No, I'll I'll answer that question. Look, as a, <laughs> sorry, Megan, <laughs> a, retail, a retail
3: businesses are incredibly capital intensive, resource intensive. You can't just launch something, do something, and and um, and um, and flip it. and And Vanguard is very serious about this retail mandate. Obviously, in the US, we have a sizeable presence. It's a very well known brand there. In Australia that's that's growing, um largely through through advisors and, and also a number of a growing number of retail clients. Um yeah, I think our strategy, not just in Australia, but all regions outside of the US have a very strong mandate to grow our retail presence. And that to that for all of whether it's Europe, whether it's um Canada, Australia Asia—that's very clearly um, our way forward. So you won't see us serving very large institutions, and the reason for that is very simple: because we want investors to have really good outcomes at the end of their journey through this whole investor-centric and a low-cost approach. The challenge with doing it in a in a in a very intermediated scale is sometimes investors were not being better off. And fundamentally, that's really what's driven us to go direct. Mm. Um, and also because our founder, Jack Bogle, who started Vanguard 46 years ago, was very much designed the firm, the structure, and the low-cost ethos with an end investor in mind. So when Warren Buffett comes out and says, Jack Bogle's done more, for, more, more than anyone for American investors, there's a lot of truth in that because that's, That whole retail focus was there right from the beginning. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty astounding, but for us, it's, we're here. We're here for the very long term. We will continue to invest for the benefit of the retail investor, whether they come in to, through our funds, through our ETFs, or a direct superannuation offer that we're looking to offer. And we'll talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. Retail and advisor is really our focus moving forward.
2: And it's fascinating. Like when I actually, um, we had a coffee here. Was it the start of this year or the end of last year? Either way. I end of last year. And yeah, yeah. I dropped in and had a coffee with you. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I'll go to the Vanguard office. And there's bloody like, what's like 700 people, I think you said, that work in Vanguard Australia. I'm like, okay, so you're not, yeah, you're not a startup. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, which is all a G. Hey, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We might talk about um, some market volatility and what Vanguard can do. And then we'll get into these listener
1: questions. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: We're back, baby. Back and badder than ever. Now, Balaji. <laughs> <Pelagi. laughs> Man, the world's just wild out there, isn't it? And every freaking investment chart is a, a jagged sword of wildness. Yeah. So what can Vanguard do in this Climate of market volatility, and as I said at the start, I think it's the new norm, isn't it? If it's not COVID, it's a war. If it's not a war, it's inflation. If it's not an inflation thing, it's it's a crash of something. It's a crash of something. It's a mean, crash of something. It's a boom of something else. Yeah. Um,
3: our guidance to investors, and we obviously as a as a large investment firm have a view on things like this in terms of how to make sense of it all as a, as a large investment manager. But from our perspective, we're not trying to time these markets. That's not what Vanguard does. We're not saying now is the time to get into emerging markets or get out. That is, that is not what we do. Um, from our standpoint, we look at um, the impact of large events on, on markets and how do we make sense of it in the very long term, not in the short to medium term. We might come up with, return expectations for, say, US equities or Australian equities in the medium or the long term. But our overarching guidance to investors is market events will happen from time to time. There is never going to be a period where market events don't happen. The, the, the journalism industry is also built upon writing about everything. You've got a huge rise in journalists who, who will write about things. Some of it is in reaction to what's happening in markets. Other articles might cause market events in themselves. No one person or no one firm really knows what's truly happening in markets. And our view to investors is, and, and I'll say this from the perspective of, i worked in sophisticated um, investment teams in the past, people um, running, you know, large, very large portfolios. Very high net worth portfolios, ultra high net worth portfolios. I don't think anyone knows. Everyone tries to make sense or interpret what's happening in markets. Our guidance to investors is just stick, stick, and stay true to your plan. I mean, we spoke about investing habits. It's it's really important that what are you trying to achieve in your goal. And if you're if you're trying to just put put all the money away and have no specific goal in mind, then just you adversely reacting to market movements is not going to put you in good stead. As we've seen time and again, the GFC with COVID, with the tech crash, when people think they can time markets, that often blows up in their face. Because if you really think about it, if you're trying to time markets, you've got to get two things right. You've got to know when to get in and you've got to know when to get out or the opposite. Mm -hmm. And most people, and I rate even sophisticated investors in this mix, they can't get that right. So your best way is to stay true to your plan, stay diversified, don't pay too much money to run your um, investments, And the most important thing is to just be focused. Stick to your habits because your habits are going to put you in far better stead than any sort of you market timing activities. And this is also proven and backed by our own research. And we've seen, um, by virtue of being responsible for the retail business now in Vanguard, and we've had um, some very long-standing investors who've been with us. You look at some. One of, of them these... is a freaking pest in the Facebook
2: group, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're all they're all good investors, but if you if you if you look at um... that, was just a sly shout out. He knows who he is, and you know him as well.
3: <laughs> um, we love all our investors. Uh, you, you look at some of these very high balance clients who are you know more mature, more older now. Mm all they've done is just continued to stick to a plan of investing never took their money out when markets are going up or down they just kept investing and they've got massive million dollar or oh, multi-million dollar portfolios now and i just think that's there's there's so much sense in that we don't see we don't see too many of our investors reacting adversely to market movements we published some research recently just on what we're seeing on Vanguard personal investor and we saw a big 64% rise in new investors coming in and we saw a massive rise in investors just putting more and more money into their portfolios. So I think that's great to see. And we think so long as you're diversified and you're sticking to your good investing habits, I think that alone should um, should be enough. And I would say there's a lot of other reasons to be worried about everything that's happening in the world. Um, focus on what you can control and focus
2: on sticking to your habits. Yeah, totally. And I'll just you can see me writing down a few things here. This whole concept is outsourcing things that you don't need to do yourself Yep. for a good benefit. And I've written down a list here and I mentioned some of them earlier. These are things in my life that I outsource to professionals. Now, some of these things, you listening, you won't outsource, you'll do yourself mm-hmm. and you'll get a just as good outcome to do yourself but other things you'll outsource because you actually suck at it and you don't know what you're freaking doing. So, I outsource my physio, my dental, my car mechanic. I outsource my lawns and my cleaning. Now, you might go, well, I can do my cleaning and my lawns myself. I can save money and just get a, a good job. Awesome. Do that. I don't. I outsource my investing. I outsource my accounting. I don't do my tax myself. So it's this spectrum, isn't it? Yeah. It's like just outsource your investing and you just focus on doing you. That's my message today. Sorry to hijack your podcast, Valarjivit. That's my message today. Oh, it's it's absolutely. And it's a, it's a great, I'll, I'll look at that list. And the one thing
3: that separates investing is like, investing is one thing where you could pay more and get a better physio. You could pay more, get more, a better cleaner. But with investing, it's quite funny because- the more you pay, often the worse off you are because more of your money is not working for you. And if you're mm. looking at... Investing is one which is it's quite ironic because you'd think that you, know, you need all this massive skill and to pick these amazing stocks. Look, there are fund managers around the world, don't get me wrong. There's a very small handful of fund managers who've... Like a Warren Buffett, who've consistently done exceptionally well... But they're fewer and far between and it's very hard to pick them. But investing for the most part needs to be low-cost investing. You've got to have more of your money working for you in a low-cost diversified portfolio. And that's maybe a subtext to um, do your message
2: of the day today. Yeah. And I think like I'm looking at this, like investing has risk, right? And we know diversification by having a one-stop shop portfolio and- you know, on your, and Balaji said to me, I'm not getting too producty and salesy on this podcast, but I am for one second. Like Vanguard might have a diversified portfolio like VDHG, VDGR and all that stuff, or you might have a build your own adventure, different ETFs, right? I think there's a risk to diversification and you're being overweight in an asset class, you haven't rebalanced and you'll get portfolio drift. So, you know, because realistically, a balanced portfolio that's diversified, when it is rebalanced, it will take some of the growth out of the growth assets, put it back into the defensive portion, give you a smoother return. But when we look at investing concepts, if there's an active concept and a passive or index concept, my question that I've been asking myself lately is, I'm actually okay with index slash market returns. Mm -hmm. And you actually just add more risk if you go active. And I've got a couple of active funds. You add risk. And the question is, can you be okay with market returns? And on balance, I am okay with market returns. I don't need the risk for most of my wealth. Yeah. Well, the, the
3: flip side is you pay a lot of money, to get above market returns, but there's a risk they, that it won't happen, and it won't happen. And you've paid more, yeah. And then you, most more of that money is not working for you. So you're going to not only be below market returns, but when you add that cost, you're even worse off mm. than had you just stayed in a low cost, um, low cost product. And this is why the whole concept of low cost is so important because the more you pay, you don't always get a, a phenomenal outcome. Hey just on um on the diversification mm-hmm. and and the active stuff. We see a ton of this is this is literally the only time I will talk about our products but yeah. it's less about the products but more about how and why the style of product is so critical. We believe in diversification and diversification is such an important component of it and you touched on rebalancing. We've got, you know, since the late 90s, this suite of diversified funds like a high growth growth a balanced and a conservative. And people invest in it depending on the stage of life they're at. Diversification is important because these portfolios are a one-stop shop where you, you get a- access to US equities, global equities, Australian equities, a little bit of bonds, a little bit of hedging. It's, it's a fully diversified portfolio in one mix. And, it's, and the product is designed based on our investing principles of having clear goals, Staying diversified, keeping the cost low, and staying disciplined, and I'll talk about diversification with a few examples because it's so critical. Typically, because all of our funds are a in net inflow territory, most there's more money coming into these funds, which means we that gets allocated. I'm talking about how funds management works. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I think it's important just to dig on and
3: explain that. Absolutely. So with these funds, they're largely in net inflow territory. So we'll just allocate that across the asset classes. So all investors in the fund are always getting that diversified exposure. You touched on rebalancing and that's an important one. I mean, because of the nature of our funds and being in inflow territory, we don't really have to do massive rebalance um, trades in these funds year on year. We might do maybe three to four substantial ones. But it's important because in COVID last March, I think we did about five to seven rebalance trades in the one month, Mm. more so than we would do in one year. And if you really think about rebalancing, it so goes against an investor psyche and an investor psychology because what do you do, what you're doing is, when things are going down, you're allocating more money towards it, and when things are going up, you're essentially, you know, taking away and allocating to things, you know, to to the other asset class. What we find is most investors are not geared to do this by themselves. Mm. Whereas having it in a diversified portfolio construct, the rebalancing is done for you automatically, depending on whatever happens in market. So you don't have to worry about it. And again. To your earlier point, don't worry about how this is how people are rebalancing and doing things because it's already happening within these products. Focus more on just being able to contribute more, being able to save more, put more away. So I think that's an important one because it's all the more relevant in the context of the market volatility you've spoken about. And the diversification is so, so critical to make whatever happened in markets to work for what is important to you as an investor.
2: Mm, yeah, fascinating. Let's get on to some questions. Now, I aggregated these questions uh, because there was some common themes. So, I'm not going to say, you know, David asks this. So, I've just kind of aggregated them, everyone. But one thing actually I will say because I remember and I know her. She's a fan of the podcast. She's a listener. Her name's Alyssa. She lives in Hobart, she's Hi, Canadian, she's awesome. Can you get the bloody statements out on time? Look, it's an absolutely fair point.
3: We, we will always prioritize accuracy um, because if you really think about it, a, a statement is the only tangible component of our, our products. Um, last year, in the last financial year, there were some delays and I, and I take that on board. We, this is going to be one of the biggest focuses for this year to just make sure that um, the whole statement generation cycle happens a lot quicker, um, and and we can get it out in time. So uh, yeah, Elisa, sorry about last year. Um, we'll do. We'll try and do
2: a better job this year for you. There you go. They're, they're trying. They really are. Uh, and your whole uh, level. What are, are we on twenty six here or something? Thirteen. Thirteen. They've, they're probably like, who's yelling in the room in the corner? But that's just me yelling. <laughs> um, okay, there's a question here. Basically said, how can we pick the right Vanguard ETF slash managed fund for our goals?
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a, we, we touched on it a, a few times today about... Um, it all comes down to the four things, four investment principles. Having goals, being diversified you know, keeping your costs low and staying staying disciplined and staying the course. We think um, you could do, you, could, you have two options. You could do this yourself by, you know, taking an Australian equities product, a global equities product, whether it's a fund or an ETF, we're agnostic. You can blend that together. Or you could consider what many of our both retail investors and advised investors just do is, choose our diversified products, the VDAGs, the VDGRs, whether it's a fund or an ETF. If it's an ETF, you can buy a complete diversified portfolio as if you're buying a share on, on, the, on any stock exchange or directly through Vanguard person investor. But we think the diversified options are a great way if you don't have any specific views in terms of what you want and if, you're not, if you don't want to spend too much time trying to rebalance between yourselves. Mm. Um, it's all done for you in this one-stop shop way, and there's some of our most popular products, and we've seen some of our wealthiest investors as well as those who are starting out just go straight into these um, diversified products. We're doing a we're doing a lot more work to put some information out there on our public website to make sure that whether you're a beginner investor or whether you're a seasoned investor. That we make it clear for you in terms of how to go about your investing journey and what are the types of things you need to know, and and the importance of diversification. But diversified funds and ETFs for us are um, are a great mechanism for anyone. If you don't have a particular view, just go into those. Would be of of course there is no financial advice here, um, but these are from a self directed as well as advised book. Um, these are just simple alternatives.
2: It's funny, I um. I was on Goodreads uh, last night, which is a website for like hardcore book people, and looking at reviews of my own book, right? Because I use Vanguard examples, Yep. Because it's it was funny actually. I think I think I said the word spank me sideways. They say what's on the box, and because your balance fund is literally balanced at fifty growth, fifty defensive. Yep. And I actually called that out in the book, and I used the example of the. Uh, Vanguard Diversified Growth Fund, which is a 70% allocation to growth. Yeah. Anyway, this review was like, oh, and they just use Vanguard through the book. I hope he's getting a, com- I hope he's getting a commission out of it. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not. Uh, but I will take your money if you want to give me money. But um, it's just read my book. Like, honestly, if you're wondering what to invest in in your own situation, you need to understand how portfolios are built and how asset classes work together. Like, it's as simple as that. Education around how the structural components of a portfolio works, coupling with, well, I need to save up for something in two years' time. Well, we're not investing anyway. Yeah. But if it's over five years, I would hypothesize it's at least a Vanguard Diversified Growth Fund, which is a 70% yep. investment. And that is- Absolutely. Not personal financial advice. It's general advice, everyone. So, generally speaking. <laughs> uh, hey, can I just add yeah. one, one thing yeah. um, to that
3: particular reader's comment? Right from when Vanguard began in you know, 1975, one thing Jack Bogle did and was very, very, very particular on was not to pay for distribution. Right. So no commissions. Right. We would never pay anyone to just um, recommend our products. Even even this interaction we're having is more we're trying to build awareness mm. um because vanguard um to those who know us know us well, but you know as part of just being a very strong retail oriented strategy moving forward, we want to build awareness of who Vanguard is and what we stand for mm. and um and and in the investment in my millennial money is is again an extension of that we we're not here to spruik our products it's more of a a way of investing, um, the low-cost, long-term way of thinking. And that's – I just wanted to say that because, you know, and this conversation should be
2: an open conversation. Well, Eddie's, And, like, I'm as transparent as as I can be. And, you know, if I thought your product and your company was crap, you wouldn't be on this microphone, like, number one. Yeah. Number two, there's no specific weird links in the show notes that we're tracking people like – No. It's – Seriously, above the line awareness, absolutely. Um, so I'm, I've got nothing to hide, and also, I got nothing to hide to say. We're running a business here, yep. and everyone should get paid for working. And I, yeah, it's it's awesome. So, just a question: How are ethics measured with the vanguard? Ethically conscious international shares index ETF. So, what's your kind of screening vibe, for want of a better word? So, this is um, part of our ESG
3: agenda. Uh, prior to this role, I was um, head of product strategy, and we had this um, amazing group of people where we built all our fun- a lot of our funds and our ETFs offerings that we took to market. Um, the ESG was one of the first things, so we spent a little bit of time talking about what is ESG? Should it matter to the world? Should it matter to investors? Should Vanguard do something about it? And also, how do people think about it? So in that context, it's it's important for your listeners to understand ESG, from a Vanguard perspective, we feel is manifested in three different ways. ESG is environmental, social, and governance issues manifested in your products, or it's also called responsible, um, responsible investing. So by virtue of Vanguard being a large index investor, in in some ways it's it's quite an oxymoron because we are a uh, we're a pa- we're seen as a passive investor, but because we are a long term investor and we hold all of the stocks that an index holds, we have no option but to be active, and we call that investor stewardship because what we do is we work with companies to just influence um, and and to just influence and engage the right kind of behaviors. So we're not going to just, they know they know that Vanguard is very different, that we're not going to go away. What we can do is vote um, proactively on the issues that matter. Um, so investment stewardship aside, if people have the desire to reflect responsible investing in their own portfolios through ESG products, it's done broadly in three ways. One is an exclusionary-based approach, which means you're just removing a number of criteria that, um, that, that you don't want your investments to reflect. So we've got a range of exclusionary funds. So we've taken a global equities index, we've taken a global bonds index, we've taken an Australian index, and we've added an exclusionary layer on it. So things like alcohol, tobacco, fossil fuels, um, pornography, and and a few other criteria. There's a it's a it's a pretty pretty wide criteria. You won't get any exposure to that. And when I say you won't, the index provider, FTSE in our case, runs the index, just mm. like a an S and P or a, yeah. Or a, you're just tracking. We're just tracking that's already been created. We're, we're tracking, and we work with these index providers to come up with the right methodology. And some of it is very formulaic. So. if- for example, one of the criteria could be if if a firm is getting more than five to ten percent of their revenue from a certain criteria, that then FTSE would determine that maybe that is grounds to, to not exclude in, them. to exclude them. Yeah. And we would then reflect that and replicate that. So yeah, I think um, for our index approaches, we've done the exclusionary ones. We've just gone for the broadest set of exclusions um, in the exclusionary portfolio. There's the middle ground, which is inclusionary, which means you're not just getting your excluded stocks out you're you're replacing that with stocks where you might have a positive view on it again there's a lot of subjectivity we're not mm. we're not really heavy in that space but we're also looking at it yeah. and the final one is a very active oriented approach where you're very deliberately focusing on impact investing you know advancing women or in, um could be some very specific projects or criteria that you're trying to address uh, at this point in our time, we we're very um, we've got a number of products and we've had um, billions of dollars going into this ESG pool of exclusionary assets. Um, we will continue to look at the positive screening and the impact investing, but you know we've gone for the broadest based. We're not here to try and um, voice for any one inclusion or exclusion over the other. Mm. Um, we just believe that all products should be fundamentally diversified should generate a real return over time, a return over inflation, Vanguard needs to satisfy itself that we can continue to offer that product at a very low cost over the long term and that it will be used appropriately by
2: clients. It's fascinating, like this whole index investing and passive. I was just thinking, like the only true passive index type arrangement is one that tracks, for example, the top 200 companies or the top 300 companies of an exchange yep. that's weighted. Yep. Outside of that, because you can't actually control what goes on there. Like, the market controls that. But outside of that index, anyone who says, oh, this, portfolio, this blended portfolio, it's an index fund. Well, sure, it's a passive investment, quote unquote, but there's been an active choice of what allocation to put to growth there's been an active choice what allocation to put to, to defensive yep with an index of ethical or ethically conscious international shares FTSE have made an a, an active screening choice right like it, it's very methodology based yeah. and
3: this is as um, as a, a large scale index manager this is we're very keen to make sure we satisfy ourselves off the methodology any product that we launch goes to the highest levels at Vanguard. We have a CEO and and um, we have a thing called a global investment committee that uh, that looks at um, all product launches. And we, we these things are really clearly debated. So we won't launch anything unless we're comfortable with the methodology. But yeah, we're also seeing another trend in that a lot of people use index building blocks like a, an Aussie equity fund or an ETF or an international version of the same thing and they're making an active choice in terms of the allocations to each of these index exposures. Yep. So the, the the building block in itself is indexed, but the allocation uh, has an active component. And we yeah. did some research on this and we saw the, the use of active portfolio allocation increasing for yeah. both
2: advisors and investors. Well, it's funny, like in my book, I did a graph and I think I plotted on that graph uh, the Vanguard uh, diversified balanced fund 5050, the growth fund 7030, and the high growth fund 9010. And I plotted the three like pricing, it was a price chart through COVID. And you can kind of see it's like when things are quote unquote normal, and most portfolios will do the same thing ish. But when there's a big event, that's when your risk profile that's when your defensive portions will come in and smooth out the portfolio. Absolutely. Um, So, So even in our
3: diversified high-growth portfolio, and we got a few questions about this, it's got a small bond allocation. Mm -hmm. People say, why do you have a bond allocation if it's a high-growth? We fundamentally believe that bonds are like an insurance in a portfolio. Majority of your portfolio is invested in high-growth equities, but we think – Having bonds acts as a nice little ballast, so when markets are going down, it just gives you that little bit of cushioning. So when ma- things bounce back, you're not you haven't gone down as deep, and the bonds act as give you that little bit of cushion.
2: Yeah, totally. Hey, um, let's talk about the Vanguard Personal Investor platform. Now, if you are new to all this stuff, I've mentioned at the top of the episode. I actually did a YouTube review of this. Um, just because I wanted to do that and use the concepts of a platform and I used a live case study. We'll put a link in the show notes for those who haven't uh, seen that. Uh, so that's what we're kind of talking about and this is really in uh, Balaji's remit uh, in his role. Are you able to take us through um, maybe the features roadmap uh, because you know people are asking about the Android app, the user interface charts, performance reporting like... Um, auto invest like what's the roadmap? Great. M- maybe let's let me take a qu- very quick step back. Take and- three steps back. I just <laughs> wanted to get awesome. all that out. Awesome.
3: So Vanguard Personal Investor was designed and built as part of our very strong retail strategy push. We wanted to build this direct relationship with retail investors who might choose to transact directly with Vanguard. We know there's hundreds of thousands of people who might already purchase our products through other uh, other avenues, but there is also a growing chorus of people who want to deal with Vanguard directly and purchase our products directly from us. Um, so we created a Vanguard Personal Investors, essentially a platform that makes it easier for retail investors to access Vanguard products directly from Vanguard. So it was designed as a platform, it's a digital product offering um When I talk about the product offering, it's it's essentially a portal that you can sign up into and it makes the process of investing very simple. From our perspective, right from the outset, we were very, very clear that Vanguard personal investor is not only a place to invest, it's a way to invest. And all the things we spoke about today about building good investing habits, that's essentially what we want to help build out for retail investors which has led to us making a number of choices about what we do and don't offer on the platform. For example, we're quite comfortable that our products, we have quite a breadth of products that should be enough for almost all investors. Some people might have a different view. They might want something very esoteric. We, we wouldn't engage in that anyway. If it's good enough for a bulk of the advisors, um. We've got virtually most building blocks that make up the diversified. Uh, we think our products suite is compelling enough that people can just come in and buy directly from us. Um, but again, we are very focused on building these really good investing habits, and we've made some deliberate choices around. We didn't want to publish short term performance. Mm. If you if you go to certain platforms, for instance, it'll just give you a red, a green up arrow, a uh, uh, um or red a red down, down arrow yeah. and oftentimes and i've seen this happen to the most sophisticated of investors they react to that and we don't want people to react we think all investing should be for the long term and um we've created an experience doing that that said we will continue to build out our performance reporting suite we will continue to invest in our tax reporting suite you mentioned the Android app. We launched the Android app recently. We've just gone; haven't gone as public with it, but right. it's um, it's um, it's it's there. So you can download it on um, on,
2: on Google the, Play or whatever it on is. the
3: Google Play. Sorry, I don't know what it's called. Yeah, no, I'm an know. iOS user. We've got
2: a mobile. <laughs> so am I, Blasi? <laughs> so am I.
3: <laughs> but apparently, there's um, there's a, a bigger um, population of investors who use Android, which was news to me. But we've now got the good news is we've got the mobile iOS app and the Android app. Um, again,
2: we don't want people just because you have an app. We don't think you should trade. I don't have a super app on my phone. I don't have platform apps, investment apps. Yeah. Nope. Exactly. Don't don't need to do it because I'm an investor, not a freaking trader. You're not. You're not exactly. Um, in terms of the roadmap, which was part of your question, mm-hmm. um,
3: we recently launched uh, a feature called Auto Invest for our funds. So if you just wanted to continually invest, which we think is the best way forward to invest and build good investing habits, we've launched that for our managed funds. And through Vanguard Personal Investor, you can get access to our managed funds, ETFs, and the top 300 Australian shares. We are now looking to offer that auto-invest feature for ETFs. Now, if you were to purchase an ETF on our platform on a discrete basis, so on a standalone basis, there's a $9 brokerage, which is pretty pretty common. Um, But we're thinking about how can we offer a really compelling proposition. So if someone has a preference- But just use the managed fund. Just use, <laughs> yeah, you can just use the managed fund. But some, some investors yeah. have a strong preference. We are agnostic, but we're just trying yeah. to create a mechanism where it makes it really compelling to buy these from Vanguard directly.
2: People get their freaking knickers in a knot around like, oh, the the tax differences no. with ETFs and managed funds. It's like, look- most of you are just starting out with your investing and most of you might only have a, you know, a few grand a year to just focus on understanding investments. If the time comes where you've got a million dollars walking in the door and you need some tax planning, well, sort it out then. But these like 0.2% of intricacies that end up getting discussed in big details on online forums, like just chill out, everyone. Yep. Be an investor. And and the and the most important thing is whether
3: you're going through a fund or an ETF, you're getting exactly the same exposure, the investment exposure. So a global equities fund and a global equities ETF gives you exactly the same exposure. Mm. Yeah. So an auto invest for ETFs is something in the works. We're launching trust accounts, uh, again for people who want to invest through that structure. We're also thinking about investing for children. Mm. That's um that's something big and it's it's plays so true to our mission. Um, I mean, I've got um, three daughters and um, I can't get them to invest and I'd love to um, create something not just for me but for pretty much everyone in Australia mm. that um, they can just find it easy to invest. Again, we don't want them to trade but to consistently build these investing habits and show them the power of compounding from a very young age. So these are some things coming up.
2: We will continue to massively invest. How in- many on your team are on the personal investor who are working on this platform? So
3: we've got a combination. Of, well, there's about 30 or 35, 40 people directly in in my team. Yeah. And then you've got a dedicated technology team, a dedicated mm. operations team, and a dedicated marketing team. And we have, and, and this is the, a retail business is very capital intensive to run. We also make substantial investments in cybersecurity, in mm. compliance, in controls. You can't, have a retail operation as a fly by night operation because this is it it's it's a long term investment, uh, and if you 're trying to cut corners it doesn 't work it doesn 't work for any business but even more so well, for i I just business. wanted
2: to point out to people like you know if the minimum wage in Australia was fifty thousand dollars, fifty thousand times forty people as a minimum, there is significant investment with what you 're wanting to do here, yeah, absolutely. so this isn 't some quick little startup like you've got a clear mandate that you want to actually do this for the long term totally yeah
3: the reporting is one we will continue to invest in yeah and also we will continue to make ongoing enhancements to to the personal investor platform but also everything across um that matters to retail investors on education on we already have smart investing which is our newsletter so i'd encourage your listeners to just it's a great tool to just get educated how on how do i sign up to that newsletter so it's just a, a link on our on our website um, but it's just a great whether you're starting out or whether you're a seasoned investor there's a whole lot of um research I might get Rach things
2: to add that in actually and rage can you i'll send you the link rachel my favorite chart of the year when I was an advisor was getting the index chart. Oh. It's fascinating. And we'll put a link in the show notes. It's basically since the beginning of time. Um, it's like if you invested $10,000 in each asset class, it shows you what it's done. And then it's like, it tells you the key points of, uh, worldwide events, um, governments in the US, in Australia. It's fascinating. It's the, one of the
3: greatest charts. I was a big fan of it before I joined Vanguard. Yeah, a- almost all financial advisors just talk about it, and and I'd encourage your listeners to um, have a look at it, but also have a look at the power of making cont- ongoing contributions and the impact that that it has over time.
2: Mm. These are uh, it just bring home the point of investing habits that we spoke about. Does your team have a an investor? focus group or someone like do you have a team like do you have real world people who use your product that you do quarterly check ins with for feedback on the ground? Look, we'd love to get more and more feedback. I can get some listeners who use VPI. Do you call it VPI? Um Well we call it we call it PI because we know we're V. That's true. Uh, (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Um but smart guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um We'll but talk
3: after this. We'd, love, we'd love feedback.
2: I mean, yeah. I'm happy to put it out in the Facebook group or whatever if if you legitimately use the product and because it's interesting, like the questions in the Facebook group, when the people are like, We want this performance reporting, we want a better UI, we want charts and all this, these are hardcore fans and are hardcore investors. Yep. And their day jobs probably in marketing or in IT or in bloody uh, cleaner or a hairdresser, like just run of the mill people out there in people land. I reckon it's if you want to do some type of investor feedback or something, like I'm happy to, to we, ke- connect we, you.
3: We'd love that. And we can also make it a two way thing where we, we're quite happy to share what's on our roadmap oh, of things cool. to come yeah. um, because we want our investors to be invested in. in in, in the enhancements we're making as yeah. well.
2: Oh, we'll take that offline. Um, a question here. You've still got another 10 minutes, have you? Yeah. Yeah. I told Balazs you'll probably have a 40-minute chat, but here we go, um, whatever. Um, wh- you know. And this was actually a specific question that I wrote down. I forget her name, but she said, why should an investor who holds some Vanguard ETFs but also wants to invest in other things like LICs, change to personal investor. So you mentioned the personal investor, like if I wanted to invest in the VDGR and then you know buy some Woolworth shares or CBA shares on that platform, you'll do all the tax reporting and whatnot. I can't buy LICs on your platform, can I?
3: No, you can't. Okay. Um. No, not. Not. All right. Next right question. Now. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, right, no, But it, it is an important one because, um, and I want to be careful about how I say this, because sure. LICs are listed investment companies. Um, there are some really good ones or, or things that have, LICs that have been there for a very long time mm. have, have you know looked after their investors. But there's other newer ones. Sometimes they trade at a, a discount or a steep discount. So mm. if the value of the portfolio is X, it trades at... Why X lower. minus something yeah. something something? So we think ETFs are a mechanism where you have this. I don't want to get overly technical, but you've got these external market makers who are always looking to of to make sure that the ETF is trading at its net asset value, and you want your portfolio being value uh, reflecting its value. Most of the time Mm. with LICs, there's always this top gap measures, which means in order to think about adding an LIC, we're making subjective decisions on what is good versus bad. Mm. That is not the game we want to play from our standpoint. We want large scale, low cost, diversified portfolios. So it's unlikely we'll add an LIC on our platform. We think ETFs are a great alternative, but I know some people have a preference for LICs. and.
2: Forgive me uh, for my sins, Balaji, but I couldn't buy a competitor's ETF on your platform, could I? Not right now because
3: our offer, I mean, it's only been two years since we launched Mm. in the thick of COVID. At some point, we might think about, hey, if there is a product that meets our product design principles of low cost diversified, used appropriately and generates a Mm. real return over time, we might think about
2: adding things if there is enough investor interest. It's a just this week because this episode we're recording it. Oh, I don't even know what the date is at the eighth of April or something. Like this episode's going out in a couple of weeks. I think just this week there was an article somewhere where there was an ETF created and they're closing it because there wasn't enough interest and inflows mm-hmm. and and that's a real risk. Absolutely. So and I think as a responsible organization, you know, sure that things on your platform, so if someone bought CBA shares or Woolworth shares on your uh, PI platform, you don't control those. We don't. But it's a- We know that it's top 200 blue chip. There's a very small chance of it getting wiped off the place of the earth and then causing issues for your customers.
3: Yeah. And then if we we, we believe that, we would have launched that product anyway, a low-cost diversified product. Um, And also, it's important that we will – it's very, very unlikely that we will look at something very niche. Oftentimes, we get questions about, hey, crypto ETFs and things like that. I think it's worthwhile just spending a little bit of time on it because – Product development is sacrosanct at Vanguard, and I, as I said, it's probably the um, it, uh, every product gets um, looked at
2: um, very, very seriously. Hey, everyone! Just while you're talking there, Belagi, on page. Do you remember in my book where I ah oh, here we go, everyone found it. Everyone, page three hundred and sixty of my book. There's a quote, a long-term portfolio should be comprised of stocks, bonds, and cash. We're quite happy to sit this one out, and we urge investors to be very weary of the risks of crypt- of cryptocurrencies, Cryptocurries- <laughs> cryptocurrencies defy any kind of categorization at the moment. And that was a quote by uh, Balaji Gopal uh, to the AFR on the 25th of May, 2001. You're the man who quoted. I quoted in my book. <laughs> well, thank you. And let me let me um, give you some context
3: to that. And I think the, that was in response to whether Vanguard would launch the a ETF. crypto ETF. Yeah. And our view is, product development is is very important to us. We're never going to be investing in anything that we consider a fad. For example, for the past however many years, you know, people come in and talk to us about, hey, can you launch a gold ETF or a commodity ETF? We don't do commodity ETFs. We don't do currency ETFs. Again, it doesn't meet a core principle of generating a real return over time. For example, if you take gold as an example, gold doesn't produce something. I'm not here to tell you about whether gold is a good investment or not. Gold doesn't produce any income of its kind. I know many people use it as a, as a great hedge and I'm not taking that away from them. I'm only talking about wh- why we won't launch a product for a commodity. So if it, doesn't produce something, if it doesn't produce something, then the value of that particular asset class has some subjectivity, to it, which means you're speculating that it will do something in the future without too much basis. So that in itself is not a good reason for us to launch a gold ETF or a silver ETF. We don't we don't do yeah, that. Yeah,
2: well you don't have a 4X a ETF.
3: We we don't have we don't have that. And the same theory applies to cryptocurrency mm. because that 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 meets the same thing. Now it defies any categorization from the standpoint of it doesn't generate an income. We can't satisfy ourselves that it will it, it can produce an income of some kind. We, there's also a separation of, when you talk about cryptocurrencies, there's the blockchain technology and the cryptocurrencies themselves. We, we believe in that technology over the long term. I think blockchain is, a, is, a, is an important one. We're doing some pilots ourselves in terms of how that technology can be used. But in terms of crypto as an asset class, it's not something we are likely to do in terms of building a product or offering crypto trading. And we continue to urge investors that think about it in the context of your overall portfolio. Yeah, if you want to just dabble in a little bit of it yourself for speculative reasons, that's an investor's prerogative. It's not something we endorse. But again, it's it's if, if an investor is, I mean, you hear horror stories of people who've just taken their entire SMSF and put it all into crypto. We, We want to educate against that Mm. and we didn't want to enable it by, not that we would have ever created that product, but we would never want to put investors in that position of, and sometimes just because Vanguard's offered a product offers some legitimacy to it and it's something we want to just sit out of.
2: Yeah. And it's fascinating. Like even we're talking about Vanguard ETFs, Vanguard managed funds, Vanguard personal investor, we're on the podcast today. We talk about heaps of different products all through the year of, you know, I want to say loud and clear, not everything is for everyone. And we've got to be okay with that. Yep. Like it's as simple as that. But anyway, let's, um, I got to ask you one thing. What's the deal with Vanguard Super?
3: Super is uh, a massive, massive undertaking for us. We're launching a super fun From scratch again, it's very much part of our direct retail strategy for going directly to end investors and advisors. We've spent the last two and a bit years. We've built a massive team of people to build it. Um, Look, we don't have a launch date yet, um, but we're pretty close. Um, There's there's a number of hurdles we need to get through. Um, when i say we're pretty close in terms of the product design and everything we've um, we've done a ton of work internally with a lot of the experience work we don't have a launch date just yet there is a lot of interest quite understandably in our vanguard super offering and we'd love to launch it as soon as possible but again we will only launch it once we're fully comfortable um with it but um we're
2: yeah, we're, we're very excited. Are you the is Vanguard the trustee, or are you outsourcing that?
3: No, we 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 are building. Uh, we're doing this the um, the right way and the hard way, mm. which is we uh, we're not outsourcing. It's unlikely we would have ever done that. We we are um, we we will be our own trustee. Yep, cool. And um, yeah, we wouldn't outsource it, and it would be you. You get all of the. Um, Things that you expect from a firm like Vanguard for a superannuation offering—it's a—it's a highly uh, regulated product, and um, we will conform with everything that is expected of us, plus some of our
2: own standards that we overlay. Can you talk more about it? Can I ask you—you know—without giving state secrets—will there be, you know, just three bread and butter portfolios, or is it off the the work that you've done on the? invest investor platform where people might be able to choose some percentages of direct equities? Um, can I build my own portfolio of ETFs or is it just diversify? Is it just three funds only? Is there a pension product in there yet? Any
3: Look, that's going down to the next level. I, I, I don't feel now is the time okay, and for won't. me to do it. But what I can say is we've got a, a substantial 401k business in the US yep. serving, you know, Millions of clients. We want to bring some of our best thinking into into the mix. Um, it'll be a very um, vanguard oriented um, offer. But in terms of um, the personal investor and the superannuation, what we are very keen on and intently trying to create is a single experience for you, both non super and super. The super is a very different product to personal investor, but we want the experience for a retail investor or an advice client to be able to see that in the one experience so long as they have transacted directly with Vanguard um, for their personal investor and super. Mm. Um, over time, we might expand and extend that to see can we just consolidate, it, consolidate a report with super and non-super to the extent it's possible. Yep. But our view is we want to create that you know whole of wealth view in the one digital experience and yep. that's that's something that we we've um worked on and we'll continue to work on
2: okay so i'd imagine you know in the near future around next year maybe should possibly be in market yes
3: <laughs> i don't know i don't know, yeah, I know. i'm um, not i'm not committing to a time no but I, no no we're all angling get it is the, the superannuation in your remit um no, because my colleague, um, Michael Lovett, um, um, runs superannuation.
2: Yeah. Oh, we yeah. won't um, speculate on his behalf.
3: Always. No um,
2: at some point, it might be great for um, you to speak with Michael as well. Yeah, would be more than happy to. Pelagi, we have gone well over time and I really appreciate that. But is there anything that you want to get across that perhaps I didn't ask you or that we didn't talk about? I think I'd want to just
3: double down and leave your listeners with um, just what is most important, which is all we're trying to do at Vanguard is to um, build really good investing habits. In a superannuation sense, it's very much mandated. But for investments that people choose to make, it's don't get caught, caught up in the market noise. Stay true to your goals and the habits that you've created and um, and don't react adversely. All investing should be for the long term. Um, I think if people have started the journey, it's fantastic. Stay the course. Continue to invest. Automate your investing habits. If you haven't started, it's never too late to start. And if you're an established investor, you know watch the space because um, the retail space is where we really want to play in, and we'll be coming um, with with a lot of information, education learning and, and, um, and product solutions that'll, that'll meet their need over time. So, hey, it was a fascinating discussion.
2: Yeah, we, we covered a lot and we'll put a link in the show notes to my review of the personal investor uh, platform on YouTube if you haven't seen that um, and it will just help you understand the concepts of platforms because the wild thing largely, Vanguard is a platform and an investment product yep. and not all platforms uh, investing products and not all investment products have a platform that's right so for if you're new to all this stuff it, it can be confusing right yep uh, and then we'll put a link to the um, well to my favourite index chart as well in the in the show notes but uh, Balaji Gopal Head of Personal Investor Australia here at Vanguard thank you so much for joining us on My Millennial Money great to be here thank you